0: Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. is the only shelter from the coming storm
2: i had just finished the 8th grade and was preparing to go to a boarding school for my high school my father asked me if i'd like to go with my mother to help her visit grandma in Laramie, Wyoming. I agreed I would like to do that. And so mother and I boarded the train in Youngstown, Ohio. And I love the trains, I love to ride the train. This was not my first trip with mother to visit grandma. We had done it on many summer occasions. This time, we also visited with my aunt, Aunt Martha. And it happened that her daughter was there. Now, Aunt Martha had lived a very tough life. She was then a waitress in Wheatland, Wyoming, I thought it was pretty incredible to go to the restaurant and have my aunt serve me. i had only been, I think, in one other restaurant in my life. I was a country boy. My family was quite poor financially. But I met there my cousin. She was my age, very pretty. And she asked me what I was going to do for school. And I told her that I was going to go to a boarding school in Mount Vernon, Ohio. And I began to tell her about that school where both of my brothers had gone and were going. My brother Roger had just graduated, and my brother Don was one year ahead of me. And I talked with my mother about my my pretty cousin. I said, I wish she could go to school with me. And mother said, you know, I think that's a wonderful idea. Let's invite her. And Matt and I will pay for her expense to go to that boarding school. Well, I thought it was a slam dunk. I was sure she would want to go. So we talked with her that evening and invited her to go to a Christian boarding school, and that mom and dad would pay her way. She said, I'll need to think about it. And so she thought about it. She would, on vacation times, live with us in Sharpsville, Pennsylvania. She would go home at Christmas time. So she thought about it. And the next day she said, no, I really don't want to do that. She made a decision. It was one of the worst decisions she had ever made in her life. I'm sure it was prefaced by many small decisions. And then finally the decision came, no, I don't want to go to a boarding school and no, I don't want to go to a Christian school. Now her aunt would say that she was a Christian. It was obvious to me, even as an eighth grader graduate, that her lifestyle was not that of a Christian. It was simply that of a pagan. This young woman said no to an incredible offer. For a boarding academy that would have totally changed the course of her life. I learned later from my mother that she had gone to her local high school, she had gotten pregnant, dropped out of school, and her life had become exceedingly hard. I went on with my education and then went on to college and then went on to graduate school and seminary for a Master's of Divinity. Our lives took two very, very different paths. My life was a path directly to service to Jesus Christ. Her life was a life directly geared to the lust of her heart to poverty, to hardship, to anguish and pain. And I lost track of her. I've watched through the years as people have made many different decisions. And those decisions result in a course of action and when that course of action is directed by the lust and the pleasure desired in their heart, it takes them down a road of destruction and finally to a road to hell. Perhaps today you recognize that you have had opportunities to totally changed the course of your life, and you have not taken those opportunities, you have turned toward the darkness, you have rejected the light, I want to come today with some very good news for you. In Titus, the second chapter, let me just read this for you, please. I'll begin reading in verse 11. For the grace of God appeared, saving to all men, teaching us that having renounced ungodliness and the worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in the now age, awaiting the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself in our behalf in order that he might redeem us from every iniquity and might cleanse for himself a people as a possession, zealous of good works. You must speak these things both encouraging and expose with all authority. Let nobody think around you or outthink you. The part that so struck me as I read this was verse 11, Titus 2, verse 11, For the grace of God appeared saving to all men. We know in the scriptures from John 3.16 and many other passages of scripture that God has a great loving heart toward the entire human race. He hates evil and he hates evil men. But he does not hate them until they have turned away from the saving grace that he offers them and the saving grace of God is offered to you. It's not something you have earned. It's something that he comes and offers to you in the midst of whatever your situation is. But he calls you to stop trusting in yourself, to stop trusting in what you think you can understand with your mind, To stop, to stop, to stop, and say, Lord, will you take over and will you redeem me? I renounce all ungodliness. I renounce all worldly lust. I will live soberly and righteously and godly in the now age by your grace. It is the grace of God that gives us the ability to live a holy and righteous life. It is not of ourselves. It is not out of hard work. It is not out of struggle. It is out of the love that God has for every one of us. Now, let's be very clear. It is God's intent, to redeem us from every wicked thing. He wants to wash and cleanse us for himself. He wants us to belong to him as his possession, as his bride. He wants us to be filled with a spirit of saying, I want to worship Jesus. I want to follow the Lord. I love him with all of my heart. I will follow Jesus. Jesus. That's the heart he wants for us. And that's the heart he's prepared to place in us. Now, when we go to Titus, the third chapter, I want to begin in verse three. For we were also once foolish, disobedient, being led astray. Foolish meaning no correct judgment of my situation. Some of you today who are listening to this broadcast know exactly what God wants you to do, but you don't want to do it. This young, beautiful cousin She was very clear about what the best choice would be. But she said I'll miss my friends. I'll miss my friends. I want to go to high school with my friends. I want to party. I want to I want to live a a happy life. Well, she made a choice that was not a happy life. She was very foolish. Some of you today are making decisions that are without thought. You have resisted the word of God that has come to you. You know God is a God of love and mercy and kindness, but you do not have any respect for that love and mercy and kindness because love and mercy and kindness will not cause you to make the correct choice. because you lack the strength. You lack the ability in your spirit to follow Jesus. Disobedient. Literally, you will choose to go the wrong direction. You will not follow that which would be good for you Instead, you're going to follow the lust of your heart, your desire for pleasure, for temporary pleasure and gain. You're going to do what you think you have to do to survive. And surely, you think, I can do whatever I want to do, I have the money. I can take care of myself. Thank you very much. I'll find a way to do what I want to do. And so you refuse to come under hearing. You don't want to listen. You want to go your own way. Thank you very much. I'll do what I want to do. Okay. Let's see how that works out for you. But then when it works out, in destruction, you'll say, "Oh, I made the wrong decision. I shouldn't have done this i should have I should have obeyed the word of the Lord to me, and it's too late. You've already crossed over into the darkness, foolish, disobedient, led astray, deceived, literally." The Greek word here in the scripture is to wander, purposely choosing to wander, to not have a goal except pleasure, except comfort, except pride and ego. And so foolish, without judgment, without thought. Disobedient, saying, I'll go my own way. And wandering. Wandering in a desert of sin. Waking up in the morning with a bad taste in your mouth knowing that you have sinned against Almighty God, a guilty conscience, and you have to push it down and push it down. I'm astonished at some of you, how much energy you put into ignoring the reality of your life. Instead of simply turning to Jesus and saying, Lord, whatever I am, I give to you. Wherever I'm to go, I will go. You are in charge, and I will trust you. Do you know how wonderful it is for me to have made a covenant with the Lord that I will receive only from his hand what he chooses to give me? That means the pressure's off for me. I'm going to receive the very best that God has because he's chosen the very best for me. I don't know how to choose the best for me. I would be led astray by my own desires, but he knows where he's taking me. He says then in verse 3, serving various kinds of lust. That is things that rise up in your heart that say, you know what? I want to go there. I want to go to that club. I want to dance. I want to party. You know what? I want that man. I want that woman. You know what? I'm just going to play. Lust of the heart. Lust for food. For entertainment. Lust to be somebody. To be considered an important somebody. To gain recognition. I know of some who go to the bar and drink themselves under the table. Until... They're sick. Or get up on the table and dance. Be lewd. Say lewd things. Say unclean things. Embarrass people by their wickedness. Do the drugs. An utter slave and captive to the demonic powers of darkness. And they call that fun. Pleasurable. I've watched enough drunk people to know there's no pleasure in the headache waking up the next morning. I know there's no pleasure in the vomiting of the night before. I know there's no pleasure in waking up in somebody's bed and not remembering going to bed with them and wondering what happened to me. I've talked to... Too many people that have lived that kind of life, and I've watched as their life has been destroyed. Spending life in malice in envy, hateful, hateful, being utterly indifferent to my life. Doesn't matter if I live or die. That is the common result Of taking the wrong choice. Hating one another. But when the kindness and love for mankind. Appeared from God our Savior. See when he. When he brought his grace to us. That unfathomable love of God when he brings that grace to us. He wants to make us righteous. He wants to totally change the course of our lives. It says, He delivered us He delivered us. He delivered us from sin, from demons, from blindness. How did He deliver us? By washing, by means of rebirth, and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you enter into the new birth? You have to come to your senses and recognize what kind of life you're living. And some of you are just living a normal American life, paying attention to your job, working hard, building your your house, making payments on your car, going out for Some meals at a restaurant. But you really don't have the joy of the Lord in your heart because you're just living an American life. Oh, you're not going to bed with anyone but your wife or your husband. But in your heart, you're not clean. You've not been washed. You've not been delivered yet. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes, he teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Grace never covers us in our sin. Grace comes to teach us how to submit to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus, and be washed by his blood. Some of you would say, Pastor, I'm miserable in my life. It's just a daily grind. Well, that grind will finally either wear you out until you're just an old man or an old woman ready to be cast off as no longer being financially viable, no utilitarianism left in your body, You're just old and now it's time to quit. Or you finally say, I've had it. I'm going to throw it all off. I'm going to quit the job. I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go do something. And off you go to do something else. How many times I've seen that happen. But there's no life. Wherever you go, it's always the same grind. And you know what? I come here every day and I proclaim the gospel of Jesus to you. But I want to tell you there's a difference. This is not a grind. It exhausts me. I get very tired. But it's not a grind. One of you said to me this week, we were talking on the telephone it was late in the day, and, and they said to me, Pastor, you need to stop working now. Talking to me is just work. You need to go spend some time with your wife. I said, no, 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 stop. This is not work for me. This is brotherhood. This is friendship. I don't do not I don't do the grind. I don't work for a living. I serve Jesus. And he brings all kinds of ways to bring to me all that I need to live. But I only follow the call and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And where you're going that is a grind today needs to be turned into a place of the kingdom of God, a place of righteousness, a place of ministry, a place where you win someone to Jesus. The word of God is he will deliver you by washing by means of rebirth And renewal by the Holy Spirit. Whom he poured out on us abundantly by Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been made righteous by the grace of that one. We may become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Having been made righteous. It is God's work to make us righteous. We cooperate with that work, yes. You see, the saving process of God does not involve saving us and then telling us we have not yet been saved from our sin. If you've been saved, what have you been saved from? And what have you been saved Two, god is very practical and the whole gospel of jesus is about washing us by means of the blood of jesus it is a rebirth it is a, a scrub down in the spirit that he does as he brings conviction to our hearts and we begin to cry out and say lord i will serve you whatever you want i will give you i belong to you jesus i am no longer my own Some of you are just grinding out your marriage. You're married to somebody you don't really love. You find yourself wishing that they would just die and then you'd be free because you don't want to divorce them because you believe divorce is wrong. So, Lord, would you just cause them to die? You don't say that to them, but in your heart you're, you're saying that. You go to work and you hate it. You do a minimum. You take the money and run. You follow the passion of your heart to go to the club or to go somewhere for recreation, for some sport, some sporting event where you can escape for a little bit and then you're back to the grind. I won't live that way. And you don't have to live that way. The grace of God says that God wants something new for you. He wants to transform you. He wants to save you from your sin. He wants you to live free of that sin. He does not want you to continue walking in that destructive way that you have become so accustomed to walking in. He wants you to be free. And so he says in 1 John, the third chapter, you must take note what sort of love the Father has given to us so that we may be called children of God. Because of this, the world does not know us since it knows him not. Beloved, now we are children of God. It's not yet been made known what we shall be, but we know that If at any time he may be manifest, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone having this hope in him purifies himself just as that one is pure. Purifying of lust of the heart, purifying of the wicked pleasures that we escape into, That's what he's called us to. To live righteous and holy lives. And those men or women who teach that you cannot lose your salvation. They teach that you can never be free of your sin. They don't know Jesus. And they don't know the gospel. And they are false teachers. I'll read it for you. Verse 4, this is. 1 John 3, verse 4, everyone doing the sin also continues doing the lawlessness. In fact, sin is lawlessness. That is, it is voluntary opposition to the commands of the Holy Spirit. And you know that that one was manifest so that he may take away our sins. Jesus grace is there to take away your sin your uncleanness your lust everyone, verse 6 who continues remaining in him does not keep on sinning everyone sinning has not seen him Neither has he known him. Little children, you must not let anyone deceive you. The one continually doing the righteousness is righteous, just as that one is righteous. The one continually doing the sin is out of the devil. Because the devil sins from a beginning. For the purpose of the Son of God was manifest so that he may destroy the works of the devil... Everyone having been born of God does not continue to sin because his seed continues to remain in him and he is not able to keep on sinning because we've been born out of God. I'm going to say something that will be very uncomfortable for some of you. If you teach that you cannot leave your old man of sin and walk in righteousness... You are, the scriptures say, of the devil. Now you can have a religious coat on. You can play the game. But you are from the devil because you do not accept the new birth washing. And there is no new birth without the washing, without the cleansing, and without the total coming of the Holy Spirit to your life. Listen to Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of grace from God is life eternal in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I need to say some things to you. And they'll be uncomfortable. You will never be born from above until you recognize your true nature. Let me say that again. You will never be born from above. You will never be born again Until you know your true nature. You may be hiding in religion, you may be hiding in the culture of our day and the culture of the church, but if you have not yet come to terms with the reality of who you are in wickedness, in perversion, in lust, then you cannot be born from above. Salvation comes to us as a wonderful gift of grace. It is by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. It is not by works. It is by faith. But that faith immediately goes to work. It is God's faith. It goes to work in our hearts. And the power of the blood and the Holy Spirit begin to cleanse us and break all power of sin in our hearts and this will require coming to terms with who we truly are in the spirit in the inner being of man and you will have to come to terms with your utter depravity with your utter wickedness before a holy and righteous god now you can you can dress the old man up you can put lipstick on the pig You can even dress the pig up in a pink tutu. But it's still a pig. You can dress your life up with strategies for winning and with with anger management and with all kinds of things that help you control that evil that resides in your heart. You're still hell-bound. And the problem that we're all facing is a lack of recognition of our utter brokenness and depravity before God. And so our hearts are filled with judgment and pride against a brother or a sister. We look down upon them and we judge them because somehow they don't measure up to our expectations. And we've got to stop and we've got to say God is there. His grace and his love, it's there. What's missing? What's missing? A recognition and admission of the lust of my heart and the desire for pleasure and my rebellion against obeying the word of the Lord to me. I will go my own way. I'm in charge of my own life. This is my life. No, it's not. The life you still possess was a gift from God, and he will one day call that life back to himself because he is the creator of all life. And... Those of you who choose to not recognize the lust of your heart. Those of you who choose to go your own way will go down a crooked path. A path of darkness and misery and pain. And you will die with a whimper as you're cast into hell. And you'll say, no one told me. You will not be able to say that because Pastor Ray, on Pilgrim's Progress, told you flat out. You have two choices. You can pretend to have a wonderful, pleasurable life here on the earth and be bound by every darkness and every demonic power and finally be cast into hell. Or you can choose because God has said his grace is there for you Today, according to Hebrews 3 and 4, today is the day of salvation. It is there for you. But first you're going to have to admit who you are. I don't think there's anything more difficult for any of us than to finally humble our heart and truly admit who we are. We've been told for so many years that we're wonderful, that we're loved. No, we are not wonderful. And those who would feign love for us are false. It is only the love of God that can save you from hell. And it is a, a wonder from God. In Romans, the second chapter, and the third chapter, there is not a righteous man, not even one. There is no one understanding. There is no one seeking God. Every conceivable man turned away Together, they have become morally depraved. There is no one doing what is right. There is not so much as one. Their throat is like a grave having been opened. They were working deceit with their tongues. The venom of deadly vipers is under their lips their mouth is full of cursing and bitter trouble their feet are swift to shed blood destruction and misery are in their ways and a way of peace they know not there is no fear of God before their eyes this is the biblical Description of the true condition of every man and woman who has descended from Adam and Eve. This is a description of you. And the only way that can change is to begin to repent. That's what Jesus said. Now, most people want to repent for a big, gross sin. But then they want to take back their life and say, Okay, I repented of that gross sin, so I won't do that anymore. And now I'm on my way, and I'm in charge, and I'll do what I want to do. No, they've just proven that this passage of Scripture is actually true of them. Their tongue works deceit. I'm very concerned for you today. I'm concerned that you're going to live your life as you choose on your terms. And then you're going to say, why didn't I listen to Pastor Ray as he preached on righteousness and holiness? Why didn't I confess my sin and get right with God? Why didn't I turn from my wicked ways? Why didn't I follow the way of righteousness? My brother, my sister, I don't want you to face that agony of heart. I'm asking you today. Today is the day of salvation. Will you get on your face before God and pray and confess and stay there until the Holy Spirit does that work in you of washing and cleansing and restoring and redeeming and changing you into a new person. Oh, but pastor, I've got work I have to do. Oh, and what would happen if you didn't do that work? Well, I'd lose my money. Oh, that's your God. Okay, I understand. Your God is money. Your God is lifestyle. Your God is is your pleasure and what you want, not what God wants. When are you going to finally say, I want what God wants? I give myself to Jesus for what he wants for me. When will you finally come to that, brother? When, sister, will you finally turn away from that wickedness and say, I want Jesus, and I'll pay whatever price is necessary? Oh, my brother, my sister. When will you turn? When will you finally say, I want Jesus? Jesus. Oh, I'm telling you now, the storm is breaking upon us. The stock market is going to drop probably 90 to 95%. Your 401k will be gone. Many of your pensions will disappear. You'll end up hungry. Will you turn in anger and shake your fist at God because your life of pleasure is over? Or then will you humble your heart and seek the face of Jesus and repent of your sin? What will it take for you? Do you need to lose your house? Do you need to lose your car? I'll tell you what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God will do whatever is necessary in your life to turn you from wicked ways and to cause you to repent and seek his face. And honor him with all of your heart. That's what I'm praying for you. May the will of God be done in your life even as it is done in heaven. I pray that for you. Lord, I pray that every person listening today, that you will do all that is necessary in their life to bring them to their senses. Lord, those who have already come to that place, I rejoice for them. And I pray your great outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon their family and upon them. Lord, I trust you. I pray your mercy and your kindness for your people. And I pray repentance for those who have turned aside. Thank you, Lord. Well, we're out of time for today's broadcast. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Next week, I will be off air for 10 days. There are broadcasts prepared that Brother Ed has prepared, and they will be playing each day. I'm going to take some time away in Amish country in Ohio to just pray and read the Word, have time to rest and listen to the Word of the Lord for me, that I can come back and be even more powerful as I, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, proclaim these messages to you day by day would you pray for me next week pray that the Holy Spirit will meet me in great power I need that time of rest I need that time away so please pray for me next week you can also go to our webpage nationalprayerchapel.com that's nationalprayerchapel.com You can give online, and you could also come and worship with us this Sunday. Some of you have said you wanted to, and then you didn't come, but please come. Children are welcome. Uh, We love to have children in our small service. So please come. Go to our webpage, com, and you'll find the directions there. And you're welcome to come and just walk in the front door and you'll find a praying people. So God bless you, my brother, my sister. I know that Jesus rules over heaven and earth. And I know that his grace is sufficient. That the blood of Jesus would wash and cleanse and change. And I'm praying that for you. That you would see the hand of God move in your life. Some of you are sick. Some of you are discouraged.